Well, good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning service. We thank you all for tuning in today, and we're excited about our worship time. We're going to have Brother Pat come and lead us in an opening congregation, and then right after the song, we're going to have Brother Jason Belcher come and do scripture reading and have prayer for us today. So, Brother Pat, you come. All right, thank you, Pastor. It's good to be here again today. You out there watching on the Internet, if you will, if you've got your little blue card we gave out here at church, get it out. We're going to sing a little bit of Crown Him with Many Crowns. Do the first, second, and third verse, please. Scripture tells us in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by, and the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Lord, wherever we may be. God, I just pray that you'll just give us a special encouragement today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. We thank you for the Spirit of God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the house of God and how much more we appreciate it, Lord, in these days. Lord, I pray that you'll just help us, God, as we uh, read the Word of God, Lord, that it'll help us, Lord, just and comfort us and rest, help us to rest assured, Lord, that you are in control and you are in charge of this world. The world is in your hands. God, I just pray that you'll help us, Lord, as we uh, read your Word again, God, Lord, that we'll learn how to fight that good fight of faith, God, that we'll put on the, the whole armor of God. Lord, that it will feed us and assure us and comfort us in our heart. Lord, as you spoke peace to the raging storm, Lord, on the seas of the disciples, Lord, you spoke peace be still. Lord, I just pray, God, that you'll just speak peace to those that are troubled in heart. Pray, God, Lord, that you'll just comfort them. Lord, as uh, only you can, Lord, help us just to trust in you and rest in you. Bless the preacher as he preaches. Give him that that we need today. Lord, I pray that you'll just get all glory and honor to your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Each time I stop and take the time to look around me, I see the signs of his appearing everywhere. The things he said would come to pass are now. strange excitement in the air. Just any day now, our Lord is coming. He'll be returning for you and me. For I've been watching and I've been waiting. This journey has been long and I'm so weary, but Lord, somehow I feel I'm so much closer home. Just any day now, our Lord is coming, he'll be Just any day now, our Lord is coming, he'll be returned. 
morning for you and me. For I've been watching and I've been waiting just any day now. His face I'll see, His face I'll see. This morning, if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I want to read a few verses here this morning. And I want to bring a message to you that I believe is of the will of the Lord. I believe it's God's will. A message on warfare mighty through God. And I believe it's a timely message. I preached this past Friday on the Mid-Morning Manor broadcast on the subject of spiritual warfare and the reality of the conflict that every one of us is facing right now. In fact, one of the things that I said in that broadcast that I want to repeat right off from the beginning is that not one of us is immune to this spiritual conflict. And it's going to come in lots of different ways, lots of different uh, forms, but all of us will face spiritual warfare. It's a part of the Christian life, as we will see in the message, but it is a very real thing right now in the experiences that you are having in your home, at your workplace, and even certainly the experience of church right now as we work through these things together. But it is, it is a subject that has stayed with me over these days. And as I prayed about preaching this morning, I kept coming back to uh, passages uh, in my heart that I'd been reading and studying on that have to do with this, this, this topic, this message of spiritual warfare. And so I sense it is a necessary message in this hour. One of the books of the Bible that I truly have sensed the need to stay in for myself during these current days, and one that I have encouraged you to stay in is the book of 2 Corinthians, and I believe it will be very helpful to you if you'll read in this, this uh, particular letter because literally this letter of Paul to the Corinthian believers, it is a chronicle of spiritual war. It is a chronicle of it, and I really sat this morning and read chapter 1 all the way through the end uh, chapter 13, and over and over again you see the conflict that the Apostle Paul found himself in. Let's read our text this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and beginning in verse number 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Boy, oh boy, how I need to practice that in my days right now, and so do you. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And I just want to read that next sentence in verse 7. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? Now before I go any further, I want to just use that last question that Paul posed there. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? And I want to make this point to you, church, that there is more to what's going on than meets the eye. Now, I talked about that Wednesday night in the Bible study, but it's worth repeating. There is more to going on than what meets the eye. 
we have to look beyond the outward appearance to try to see what it is God is wanting to do in our personal life, in our church, in our country, in the world right now. And listen, God has a supreme plan in all of these things. He is, and I know it sounds cliche, but it is the truth. He is still on the throne. God still has control in all things. So I want to talk to you about this, the reality of the spiritual warfare. If you were to sit down, as I said a while ago, and do a reading straight through 2 Corinthians, you would see what I mean. All of the troubles, the battles, the struggles that Paul faced and the things he endured, it would be way more than enough to derail the average man, to discourage and to disorient him. And the fact is, that is exactly what Satan desires to do to each and every one of us right now. Now, granted, his work is easier with some than it is with others. By that, I mean it's largely depending on how yielded you are to the traps that he set and the temptations that he lays before you. On the other hand, you become a much more difficult target for him uh, to get victory over if you are yielded to the Spirit of God in your daily life. As the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. <clears throat> but there's no mistake about it. This time that we're living in right now with the world, uh, and, I, and again, I said this on the radio, but I, I see just in my mind, I step back, and if I could see the world right now from a, a, a outer, an outer space view, it just you almost can picture the shroud that is surrounding the globe right now uh, across all the continents, all the countries. And in this time that we're living in, a world shrouded with uncertainty and fear, it is certainly a time when the enemy will not only attack the world, but he will assault your heart. And that's what he's after. You know, I've seen this thing of spiritual warfare manifest itself over the past week through several conversations that I've had, or whether it be on the phone or in person. And I'm going to tell you, even in my own life, I am seeing and sensing this. I've seen it in the, the attack of a physical illness. Physical illness comes into the, into the life of believers. And, and I've seen it with anxiety, anxiety that's grown in people's lives and hearts over this virus. And even sadness, sadness over loss. What's odd, what's weird is to sense sadness in your heart over something from ages ago that really doesn't seem to have anything to do with what's going on right now. And you wonder, where is that coming from and why am I feeling that? And then stress, stress over work. A lot of people are being burdened and stressed by their jobs right now. Now you need to remember that the target of the enemy is not your physical body. It is not your bank balance. It is not, as I said before, your retirement fund. It's not your employment. It's not your relationship that you're having trouble in. Yes, of course he would love to derail those things, but they're all means to an end. What he is after is your heart. He wants to crush your heart. Now you say, uh, church, you might be thinking to yourself, boy, the preacher's kind of repeating a lot of the things he's already said lately. And I say to you, very good. That means that you're listening if you're catching that. And it is right. I am. I'm repeating things, a lot of stuff, for the same reasons I believe that Peter uh, said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. You see, I believe this is the message of right now. And until God gives us something else, I believe we have to dial in on what He's saying. And the warning is this. You have an enemy who is an opportunist who will seize this hour this hour of darkness to assault your heart. And you must not be caught off guard, but you must be prepared to fight. It's imperative to understand this. 
that the Christian life is a fight. That is it. It's all through the New Testament of your Bible. I say to you what I said before in a message of some time ago that I, there seems to be a lot of believers in our day who are content to dwell back on the wilderness side of the Jordan and they've not yet crossed over onto the promised land side of Jordan. By that I mean they've been saved, they've been redeemed, they've been brought out of uh, Egypt's bondage, they've been brought through that Red Sea by the deliverance, by the grace of God. But like the children of Israel back then that, that spent 40 years wandering in that wilderness land, yes, they'd been delivered from the bondage of Egypt, yes, uh, the death angel had passed over them, Yes, they had been made free from that, but they were still wandering in the wilderness. And I think there's a lot of Christians today who are still wandering in the wilderness. They have not followed uh, our heavenly Joshua across that Jordan into the promised land. Now, I want to tell you something about the promised land. Uh, while it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of maybe somewhat, we think, easier over here in the wilderness, and it's really not. You look at all the struggles that come with being in that, that wilderness barren land. But I'll tell you this, once you enter over into the promised land, into Canaan, it is a land of plenty, it is a land of fruitfulness, it is a land of the blessings of God and of the reward of God. But I'll tell you this, it is a land of constant conflict. And the Christian life is a life of constant conflict. Now, I know there are a lot of preachers and churches out there who like to make fights all the time with other preachers and other churches. And that's not the kind of conflict that I'm talking about. That kind of wasteful fighting and posturing is useless to the kingdom of God. I'm talking about a fight against the true enemy of your soul. The true enemy of your soul. The one who baits you with the vanity of this world by tempting you at the weakness of your flesh. And I remind you of this again. The fights with other people your spouse, your employer, that second cousin of yours who keeps wanting to crash on your couch. I'm telling you, uh, those people that want to interrupt your life, they're not the enemy. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So I want to say this. Number one, we need to recognize the enemy. We need to recognize the enemy. We need to know when it is the enemy's attack. Now the Bible makes it clear in this passage that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And again, I told you through the entire letter it's clear. But there is a real battle. There's a real warfare that happens in the Christian life. And so if there's a battle, that means there's an enemy that must be fought. And we need to recognize who the real enemy is. And we need to understand something about how it is that he attacks us. Know when we are facing a spiritual fight. You see, not everything that is spiritual is holy. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not. And not everything that happens in your day-to-day -day life is simply coincidence. And your enemy is never going to waste an opportunity to pounce upon your soul when you're going through something that might just simply be an aggravation. I mean, how many times have you completely lost your mind over something as simple as you can't find your keys? And it can be on up to problems like a flat tire. Now, in the large scheme of things, think about this. In the large scheme of things, we who are born again children of God, we belong to the kingdom. We are uh, child, children of God. We have the peace of Jesus Christ that has been given to us. And yet we can lose our minds. And then we can be hurtful to other people over little things that trigger and set off these, these places in our heart that are just frankly ugly. 
And we wonder, how in the world does that happen? It is because we have an enemy who will not miss an opportunity to pounce upon your heart when you're going through something. And when you're going through something like this, you've been told, okay, you're not allowed to go anywhere except to work, to the grocery store, or if you have to go to the doctor, go there. And I know, you know there's probably more places you can go to, but to, to be given a stay-at-home order or uh, to be put in this sense of even if right now we know that there are people in our area, people that we know that are being quarantined right now, they can have no contact, they cannot leave their home for 14 days. And this is, you, so you think about losing your keys, misplacing your keys, that's one thing, but something like this, and you don't think the enemy will use this to try to attack your heart? Now let me help you, friend. If you sense that pressure, if you sense that aggravation, if you sense that fear, that anxiety that comes, hey, let me encourage you with this. That is a sign that the enemy hates you because you are a child of God. But we need to understand that there is a victory that comes in that. So be encouraged that there's spiritual battle. Yes, that means you're trying to do right. You're trying to live right. You're trying to be where God wants you to be. By the way, you need to understand that there is more than just Satan who attacks. And what I mean by that is when Satan rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven, there were a third of the angels, the Bible tells us, that rebelled against God and were cast out with him down to the earth. Now that's a pretty large army of enemy forces of spiritual wickedness that is working all the time. Now I want to remind you, thank God that that was a third of the angels. God's army is a lot bigger than Satan's and I tell you, God himself is enough, amen? And I'm glad we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 with me for just a moment, if you have your Bibles there with you. And I want to read these verses of Scripture because we're talking about recognizing the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, Paul says here, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We need to recognize the enemy and by that recognize his devices. That means his purpose. Specifically, it's, it's, it's saying to that we need to understand how he thinks. We need to know how he works. We need to understand how he comes against us. And from the Garden of Eden to the wilderness temptation of Jesus, you see that pattern of temptation that Satan brings against our life and those assaults that he brings against our heart. But you need to recognize that he does the same things to you, child of God. He's always looking for, as Paul says here, an advantage an advantage. And Paul's using that wrestling language here. It's a, a language of, of a contest, a physical contest. In other words, Satan wants to find something in your life that he can get a hold of and put leverage on you. He wants to leverage you, something he can seize, that he can flip you over, just like a wrestling move, a wrestling hold where you can throw your opponent over and then pin them down. That's what Satan wants to do in your life. He's looking for an advantage. And in the context of this passage, the advantage that he has or that Paul speaks of that Satan was trying to get was unforgiveness. Paul says, I'm forgiving and I'm forgiving for your sakes. I'm forgiving for my sakes. I'm for, we're going to practice forgiveness lest Satan get the advantage. And so unforgiveness is an advantage Satan looks for just as a, a good Bible example. You know, the reason that some of you are being hammered right now, it's not just because of the thing that's happening to you right now. A lot of times it's because of something in your past which you have never overcome with forgiveness. 
And so now you're being assaulted in that same wounded place in your heart. You're wrestling with a spirit of anger, a spirit of bitterness, a spirit of mistrust, all because you didn't practice the forgiveness and Satan has the advantage. And of course, that's not the only advantage that he seeks and works through. There, are, uh, there, 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 would be, there could be fear, there could be stress that he can use, certainly lust that he can use. You know, those unholy desires your flesh is drawn toward. The list goes on and on and on, and that's why we need to pay attention to our heart, and we need to pay attention to what we are allowing into our heart. What's coming in there? Remember 2 Peter chapter 2, where Peter talks about, he's remembering the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he says in verse 7 and 8, how God delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, among all that, that wickedness of Sodom, in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Friend, we got to be careful. we got to be careful what we're seeing. we got to be careful what we're hearing. we got to be careful what we let into our heart. Proverbs 4.23, I said it the other night. God says we're to keep our heart with all diligence. Protect it. Hey, sanctify it. Set it apart unto the Lord God. As Peter said, God wants us to take care of that thing. We need to be aware of all the avenues through which the, the enemy will launch that spiritual assault into your life. Again, lust. I'm going to tell you something, friend. He'll make the world look very good to you. He'll make the world look very good to you. The things they're doing, the things they're enjoying, the places they're going, the things they're consuming, it'll all look very good to you because it'll appeal to the lust of your flesh. Distrust, watch out for that thing. You know those thoughts you may have sometimes. You know so-and-so, they're, they're betraying you. They're undermining you. They're lying to you. They're talking about you. I think about fear. That's an old, old one, isn't it? This fear and distrust thing. Uh, Satan did this in the garden to Eve. Can you really trust God? Can you really trust God right now with what you're going through? Friends, I'm going to tell you something. It'll do you well to sit down and read the book of 2 Corinthians, see what all Paul went through, and, and looking at that, think, my goodness, if Paul can trust God through all of that, we can trust God through whatever it is we're going through today. I can trust God with the, the burdens of my heart. I can trust God with the trial of this age. I can trust God with my health. I can trust God with my uh, finances. I can trust God with my family. I can trust God with everything that is in me. If God brought Paul through that, he can bring me through this. <laughs> Amen, I'm encouraged by that today. Know your enemy. Let me tell you secondly, know the weapons at your disposal. Know the weapons at your disposal. I come back to our text and I read in verse number 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want you to know this first, friend. The weapons at your disposal are not carnal. Listen, you can't fight a spiritual war with carnal weapons, carnal things. A lot of Christians, uh, you know, they'll start to feel that spiritual oppression. And they may not even recognize it as that. They may call it something else. They may use some of the terms that I've been using. You know, I'm just stressed out. Man, I'm just frustrated. I'm just overwhelmed. And it's okay to use those words so long as we understand sometimes what's behind that and what the assault really is. But sometimes we just blame it on those things. And, you know, we might say, well, I'm just stressed. And a lot of times stress just leads to eating, right? Man, I'm just stressed out, so I just go home and eat a bowl of ice cream or a half-gallon ice cream or whatever it may be that you do. Uh, or, you know, we look at it, we're just anxious about things, worry gets into our heart, and maybe we start spending money, you know. 
Man, I, I just gotta, I gotta have this, I gotta do this, I gotta go there. Whatever it is, just that restlessness. And so we try to handle the spiritual assault with some sort of carnal means. We swipe a card, we put our stuff in and click uh, order, you know, uh, whatever it is we do. But be careful of that, friend, because you can get yourself in a deeper mess by trying to fight spiritual battles with carnal means. Don't do that. Our weapons, the Bible says, are mighty. These are powerful. They are strong. It means they are more capable. They are more capable than anything that we find in the world. But they are through God. That's the key. They're powerful. They're mighty through God. I tell you, worship, and I'm going to mention this in a moment again, worship is a powerful weapon, but it is powerless unless it is directed toward God. Prayer, so important, so vital, but prayer is impotent until it is aligned with God, till the heart of the one praying is aligned with God. You know how it is. We pray sometimes those repetitive prayers that Jesus warned us about. We sit down at the table. Now, God, we thank you for this food that we're about to receive. We just want to tell you we love you. In Jesus' name, amen, let's eat, you know, or whatever it is that we say and we do. And it's not that we mean to be that way, but we don't really take time to get our heart aligned with God and how important that is. Prayer is impotent unless we align the heart with God. Scripture. I tell you, the Bible is God's word, but it is of no effect until we consume it through God. Till we say, Lord, help me, give me understanding. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. So these weapons are mighty through God. Now, how do we fight the enemy of our soul? Honestly, I am, I'm not trying to be, you know, just cute or give an outline thing here. I really thought, uh, as I was working this out, I thought this would be a helpful way to give it to you that'll help you remember these weapons, and I, I put it in an acronym for you. Uh, it, we're talking about spiritual warfare, so I'm going to give you the acronym WAR, W-A-R. And I hope it'll make it easier for you to remember this because I seriously believe you're fighting some stuff right now. You're going through some stuff right now. You're facing some anxiety. You're facing some, maybe some stress. You're facing some real concern about how are we going to pay these bills right now. Some of you may be facing some cuts at work or whatever it is. And I want you to have God's answers to fight these battles spiritually and win because you can. Mighty through God. So war, W-A-R. Are you ready? Here's three ways we fight, three weapons that we've been given. Number one, worship. W, worship. Oh, what a powerful weapon this is. You talk about when fear comes against you, anxiety comes against you. Even physical sickness may be coming against you right now. Your household may be touched by some of these things. What are you going to do? I'm going to tell you, start with worship, friends. I shared this passage on the radio Friday, Psalm 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and failed. You hear the language of war there? It's spiritual, spiritual warfare. He said, though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, of this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. I tell you, God has promised us, friends, 
That if in our times of trouble, our times of fear, the times of being assaulted by the enemy, if we'll turn our hearts back to him, if we'll lift our voices in praise. In fact, David goes on to say in verse 6, he says, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. This is how you fight the spiritual battle. I tell you, you go back to the Old Testament, you look at, at the children of Israel out there fighting those battles and how God would have them go into war. They remember that occasion where Judah led the way and they would play and sing and, and the worship would happen and then the army came behind them and praise the Lord, by the time the army got there, there was no fighting to do because when you start worshiping God and praising Him, the enemy of God can't stand it, friend. Worship is your great weapon right now in the spiritual war. And I encourage you, have some great music handy. Have a, a, the Word of God handy. Have your prayer, prayer place ready to go. And worship the Lord. Worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Well, let me give you another one. W, war. And then this one. I said A, authority. Authority. You know, James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is not a good suggestion. It's not a possibility. It is the word of God that if we will submit ourselves to God, and there's where it starts, then if we will resist the devil, he will flee. Why? Because I am resisting him, not in my own strength, not in my own name, not in my own power, but I'm resisting him in the authority of God. The entire New Testament is ripe with this weapon of authority. You've been given authority in Jesus to resist the devil. You've been given authority in Jesus' name to renounce dishonest things, to reject temptations. This stuff has to have, doesn't have to have any control, any power in our life. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4, 27, neither give place to the devil. Let me give you the third one, worship, authority. And then I would encourage you with this one, revelation. Amen. I tell you, you have the most fearsome weapon at your disposal, and it is called the truth. It's the revelation of God. Amen. I mean, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, every word of God is true. Every word of God is pure. I'm going to tell you, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says we're to take unto ourselves the sword of the Spirit. This is our revelation, our truth. When Jesus went up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil those 40 days and 40 nights, friend, he beat the devil with the truth. He resisted the devil with the truth. And if that's the way Jesus did it, that's the way I need to do it and the way you need to do it. Bring the Word of God into that battle. Oh, friend, I tell you, maybe it's at nighttime, you go to bed and you start feeling fear creep into your heart or sadness creep into your heart. Maybe it's just during the middle of the day. You start sensing anxiety. You start sensing worry. You know what you need to do? You need to stop where you are. You need to lift your hands and your voice in praise. You say, well, I tried it, but it didn't feel, I just didn't feel like worship. Well, keep at it till you feel like it. And you need to get your Bible and bring truth into that thing. Reading that truth, speaking that truth, believing that truth. I'm telling you, there is power in the revelation of God's Word to give you victory right now in the spiritual battles that you're facing. 2 Corinthians 6 and 7, Paul says in this letter, a man talking about all the battles he went through. He said, by the word of truth and by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, I tell you, we need the word of truth, friends, if we're going to make it. Let me give you the last thing this morning. I want to tell you number three. I want you to remember the mission of this battle. 
There's a purpose behind the battles that you're going through right now. There really is. And I tell you, on the, on the I, I would say this, it's maybe not written in our text, but I would take you back to last Sunday's message. What we're going through right now and in all the troubles of our life ultimately is for this, for the glory of God. It's to bring glory to His name. But let me show you what Paul says in this passage, still in 2 Corinthians where we were last week, but look what he says in chapter 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's it. You see, this is about, this battle that we're fighting, the warfare that we are engaged. I don't mean this. I'm not talking about you're sheltering somewhere just, oh, you know, oh man, I hope I make it through. I'm talking about fighting. I'm talking about get up and go to war. I'm not talking about hunkering down and hoping for the best. We are called to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Put on the whole armor of God. We're to be on the offensive. Hey, the gates of hell can't prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. So we're, we're to be about the demolition of the enemy's captive power that he has. We all know people right now who are bound. They're bound by fear. They're bound by anxiety. They're bound by shame. They're bound by hurt. They're bound by distrust. And on and on it goes. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible calls those things strongholds. Strong meaning powerful, vigorous. A hold is uh, that which stops, a place of confinement, a place one can't escape from. And so you put those together and we understand that the enemy looks to find this well-fortified position in our lives at times. And when we're going through things, he wants to build up these strongholds. They're not pushover holds, they're strongholds. Literally, they can sustain an attack. And I'm going to tell you something, if you try to beat the devil with carnal means, you will get destroyed. We're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Right back to verse, I think we have to bring it back to verse number 5, which isn't the key part of today's message, but it, it fits right here. And I've been talking about this verse a lot. Casting down imaginations. Casting down. Can you see it in your mind? I mean, assaulting this, these castle walls and hurling up all these uh, utensils and tools and pulling, you know, using the armaments and the, the, the big machinery to pull, to bring those walls down, hitting them with the battering ram of God's Word. Casting down imaginations. What? Those thoughts, those imaginations that rise up in your heart. Imaginations of disbelief, speculations uh, that aren't true, that begin to worry us, that bind us. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bring those thoughts into the obedience of Christ. Friend, when you're having a negative thought, when you're having a fearful thought, when you're having an anxious thought, when you're having a, a, you know, a, a thought of lust, take that thought and bring it to the Lord and say, this, is, this thought will not reign in my life. I will not yield to this. I will not give it place. I will not give place to the devil. I am going to bring this thought into the captivity and the obedience of Jesus Christ and let him help you crucify the flesh with its affections and lust. We need one another in these desperate times too. You know, I think it's worth saying here, I not only need to be free of these strongholds, but I need to be free so that I can help break others free. You know, it's not just about my heart. My mission is not just my own heart, but it's your heart as well and vice versa. We need one another in these desperate times. And I know it's ironic to be talking about that, saying that when here we are trying to do worship through these means, but I tell you... Uh, 
Listen, church is not a building, and I know that, and church is not a Sunday event that we do. This is the heart of it that we have not lost. Church is a community of believers. It is a community of fellowship. It's a fellowship of the heart, my heart and your heart connected together. And we form these little outposts in the kingdom of God where we are sharing life together and we're doing the mission of God together and we love and support and defend one another. Now this is why we must fight in faith. Because I can't do it by myself. And even you and I working together in our own strength can't do it. But we're told here that it's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to read one other place in 2 Corinthians before I close. Chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. Paul makes this point. He says, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, uh, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Well, I'm glad today is <laughs> sufficient. Amen. He's sufficient. The old song says, he's all I need. Amen. He's sufficient. Bring it all to him. Yield it to him. Surrender it to him. Hey, let me encourage you. Separate from all the mess out there. Separate from the sin. Separate from the false teaching. Separate from the false messaging. Don't let that stuff capture your heart. Don't let that stuff raise imaginations in your mind. But bring your heart and your mind constantly into the presence of the Lord Jesus and yield to Him. We need to fight this fight from a position of reliance on Jesus. I've read these words by Brother Lawrence several times over the last couple of days. We must do all things thoughtfully and soberly without being rash or going in head first, which denotes a mind undisciplined. We must go about our labors quietly, calmly, and lovingly, entreating God to prosper the works of our hands. By thus keeping our heart and mind fixed on God, we shall bruise the head of the evil one and beat down his weapons to the ground. Hey, ha, that's victory talk right there, amen? So I ask you this morning, where are you being held? Now, you've got to be honest about this. Where's the enemy trying to build up a stronghold in your heart and in your life right now? I want you to think about that because we don't want Satan to have an advantage over you. And whatever it is that he's trying to enter in on, whatever circumstance or problem he's trying to use as an opportunity to pounce on your heart and crush your heart, I'm going to tell you, if you won't be honest about it, if you won't be honest before God, if you won't bring that thing to the Lord, you're going to have a real hard time getting through these days. Now's the time, child of God, to learn and build and strengthen your God dependence. You remember Peter. Oh, early Peter back in the gospel days. He was so sure of himself. In fact, he was so sure of himself that that night when Jesus was arrested, before the arrest happened, Jesus pulls Peter aside and he says this to him. Luke 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Wow. Imagine that. Jesus says, Simon, I just want you to be aware of this. You need to understand something. You have an enemy. He despises you. He knows what you're capable of. He knows you bear the image of the holy inside of you. And he knows that given time and given grace and given my spirit, you're going to rise up and be something. You're going to be a warrior for the kingdom. And he wants nothing more than to destroy your heart, to sift you as wheat, to break you down 
so that you are useless for my kingdom, for my cause, for the cross. I like that Jesus went on to say, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So as we close this morning, I ask you to think about this. What have you been through lately? What have you been through in the last few days? What have you been through in the last month? What have you been through in the last year? You know, not everything that you've been through has just been coincidence. And sometimes those challenges and problems that come, how did they turn into such a major deal? And the cost sometimes was incredible. Well, you have an enemy. and He wants to sift you. He wants to destroy your heart. He wants to get you doubting God. He wants to get you doubting your brethren. He wants to get you to forsake church. He wants to get you to, uh, to, to form these, drive these wedges in the relationships of your life. Oh, but I want to encourage you. See, not only do you think about what you've been through, but think about this with me. How is it that you're still here? <laughs> Amen. How is it that you're still here and you're tuned in this morning and you're listening and you're enjoying the Word of God and you're trying to draw near to the Lord? I'll tell you why. Because you've got a Savior. There may be a Satan that tries to sift us, but there's a Savior who ever makes intercession for us and He loves your heart and He cares about your heart and He's interceding for you even right now, friend. Satan demands your heart so he can destroy it, but I'm glad Jesus is always petitioning on our behalf. But don't miss this. We'll pray. You know, when it's all over, Jesus said to Peter, he said, when this is all over, when thou art converted, in other words, when it's all done, I want you to strengthen your brethren. What he's saying was, Peter, you're about to go through some stuff. I'm warning you ahead of time, it's going to happen. Satan's going to sift you. And you know what happened. Peter denied the Lord three times. And boy, he went through some dark days after that. Wept bitterly, just doubting himself, thinking ministry's done. Nope. He went through some difficult days. But you know what? He was, re he was, he was uh, converted when Jesus came. Amen. I'm, I want me to tell you something. I told you Wednesday night, he'll always come. He'll always come. He's just waiting for you to invite him right now. And I want to encourage you, invite the Lord into whatever it is you're dealing with. Because when he strengthens you, or he converts you, heals you, restores you, what he wants you to do is take what you've learned and be a blessing to the brethren and encourage them. And I tell you something, young man, young lady, uh, senior saint, middle age, whoever, right now I'm talking to, the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart. What you're going through right now, you're going to learn something. And somebody's going to need to know what you've learned. You're going to offer counsel. You're going to offer encouragement. You're going to offer a pathway to healing through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's give it to Him. Let's war. Amen. Let's war. Let's worship. Let's use the authority we've been given. Let's stick with the revelation of God's Word. And hey, let's do what God has called us to do in these days. Let's pray together. Father, even as the folks are finishing up this service time today, we'll have a closing song. And I thank you for this opportunity you've given us. But I pray even now that your people will respond accordingly, that they will be obedient to the Word of God that's been spoken to their hearts, it's not the words of the preacher, I know that. It is the Word of God and it is the, the voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks in the heart. That's what we need and that's what we must act on. You spoke to your people now. I believe that. Give us courage to follow through. Give us courage to stand. Help us to have honest, courageous, valiant hearts. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. All right, now for our closing hymn this morning, let's sing page 612 in your hymn books, if you got a book at home. But if you don't, verses two, 1, 2, and 5, please. There's within my heart a melody. If we sing it, he keeps me singing.
Thank you, Brother Pat. We're going to close our service now in a word of prayer. We appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and being with us. And we're going to close, and we're going to make prayer over our offering as well. What a privilege that we have to still be able to worship the Lord through our giving. And I know many of you have mailed in your offerings, dropped it by the church. And not only do we appreciate your faithfulness, but God notices your faithfulness. And He's pleased by your act of worship in doing just that. So as we close this morning... We're going to thank the Lord for the service that he gave us, but also give thanks and praise over the offering as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us today. We're grateful for the privilege that we have to still come together as a church body. Lord, we know these are not ideal circumstances. Each and every one of us would much rather be gathered together collectively in your house. And Lord, we understand that for the times that are at hand, that's just not possible right now. But we understand that we can still worship and praise and honor you. And we ask that you would receive the worship that we've offered up this morning. Wherever it may be that we tuned in as a church body, may you receive the praise that we've offered to your name. Lord, our folks have been so faithful. So many have still been giving. They've been making the act of worship through their offering. And we ask that you would receive that. We give thanks for their faithfulness, for their obedience. And we ask that you would bless it. May you bless them as they've given out of that attitude of worship. May you bless our church even throughout this time. As we break off right now and get ready to get back out into life and the uncertainty of the times and the days and the weeks ahead, Lord, we ask that you would continue to knit our hearts together, but most of all, draw us closer to you. May you give us a burning desire to seek your face above all else throughout these times. And when all of this comes to pass and we're able to beat back together, May our church be stronger. May our desire to serve you intensify. And may we do more in the coming years ahead 
as a result of the closeness that we drew to you throughout this time. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.